Hey there, listeners. We're sorry this episode is a little bit late. This has been a bit of a whirlwind time for Kyle, and because of that, since he edits the pod, we've been uh, on a delay. But hopefully we'll be back on track after this. Uh, next month we're going to do a bit of an easy one for ourselves, but you should still enjoy it and still have some good content to look forward to. And yeah, because this one's been so late, the news blast is a little bit out of date, but really the only thing that's happened uh, since we recorded it is... Obviously, the Israel-Palestine conflict, by which we say, I mean, genocide. We encourage you to listen to Chapo's coverage of that if you really want. Uh, or, I mean, there's probably a bunch of other leftist podcasts that have also done it. But that's basically all Chapo's been talking about for the last month. And they have some very good takes for the most part. But yeah, from the river to the sea. And let's kick this episode off. Then let's forget what we should have done earlier and continue with what we should do now. Hello, everybody. I'm Phil. And I'm Kyle. And we are the Unsociablists. We are going to be talking about a broader overview of a topic today, which will lead us into a whole section on a multi-part special on the idea of propaganda. But before we do that, we haven't really taken time to talk to you guys about us lately, because some of you care about parasocial stuff. Yeah, season two, we haven't really done any of that. So uh, what's been going on with you, Kyle? Uh, Not so much, you know, just uh, (laughs) surviving in this time, in this life in this world. Went down to Arizona. That was kind of nice. I hung out with my wife because she's down there working. She's got a gig over at the opera there. So kind of sucks, obviously, her being all the way away. But, um, you know, it's good for her career. It's good for uh, money, obviously. And then um, hopefully it means that we get to kind of like pick where we want to be after this kind of this kind of stint. One last job, right? Yeah. Every time, every time they I get out, they pull me back in. That kind of vibe. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, no, it's been fine. I um, Liverpool got kind of cheated out of a game the other day, but honestly, I was watching it and I. Um, they won at the midweek, but the 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 game against Tottenham was pretty notoriously uh, bad. Not f- like just the, the the officiating was bad. Everybody, even the PGMOL, which is like the referees group in the uh, English leagues, like they were like, "Yeah, sorry about that." Doesn't fix the fact that we lost, but they did apologize. And honestly, like, who cares? It's a game played by millionaires on the other side of the world. I I don't know. I care for some reason. I mean, it's lots of people. Yeah, well, lots of people care. Statistically, Kyle, you are in the majority for caring. So don't don't feel too bad about that. I know it's. Sucks to be the majority. How dare you? <laughs> no, I mean, it only sucks to be in the majority because the majority is so uninformed. Uh-huh. But no, we'll get into that. How about you? How are you hold on? I'm I'm uh, I'm doing pretty well. So it's been since it's been a while, I realize uh, since since talking to y'all last uh, last you all knew I had a girlfriend named Jackie and she is now my ex-girlfriend, which is to say she's my bum, wife. Bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, I mean, you know, getting married was it was fine. We kept it a nice small affair, so that was good. It wasn't a, a fun day. Massive, yeah, it wasn't a massive blow up wedding, which uh, was good. Neither of us wanted that. And other than that, it's just been, you know, pretty chill, same old stuff. You know, keep myself on that grind set 24-7, baby. Yeah, typical <laughs> Phil. Oh, working hard all the time. No, I mean, other than that, I most of it spent always looking for that next score, getting through the day. And then as I addressed in my last episode, playing video games. So, um, yeah. All right. I think that that's about all for us as people. So now for those of you who actually want to talk about politics, you're in luck. That's what we're on to now. It is time to tell you all about the things you should think and feel. 
And I obviously am the best arbiter for that. Me personally. Oh, yeah. Kyle and I, Kyle and I literally know better than any other two humans on the planet. You know, that's just par for the course for straight white men, right? That's how subjectivity works for me. I know <laughs> everything better than everyone else. I exactly. Just, yep. All of you are NPCs is the common parlance nowadays. Yes. Seriously, we will try to source our discussion and make it so that clear that we actually have, you know, valid reasons for thinking these things other than just we know better. Yeah, let's let's kind of start from the top. The word propaganda gets thrown around a lot. What does it actually mean? We mentioned this in like season one, like a long time ago. But propaganda hasn't always had the same amount, uh, the same kind of like connotations that it has now. Where, you know, you say propaganda now, people generally regard it kind of negatively. Whereas um, in the early histories of propaganda, like it was just a term basically to describe political pamphleteering, basically. You know, it's basically how to get your message out there into the world, how to convince people of that message, oftentimes by, you know, giving a skewed or, you know, um, at the very, maybe not at the very least, like not a whole view of the of the things that the that propaganda is talking about. And so over the last century in particular, since the first Red Scare, it's really changed form into this kind of more negative idea of this sinister, um, often state-run, mediated um, form of, like, control of, of what ideas are and are not kosher. Yeah, I mean, the reality of the situation is without propaganda, we would have never been allowed to tell people that maybe slavery isn't good because the consensus was, oh, slavery is good. No, no adjusting the opinion and or like gay rights. People should gay people should have rights. No, nah, no, nah, that's propaganda. Today, things like activist journalism, that would be considered propaganda. Things that just generally any amount of I mean, we'll get into it a little bit. But, you know, if you do any sort of news piece that is has some sort of message underneath it, propaganda in the more um, strict telling of what that is, you know, what propaganda is, or I should say maybe not strict, the broader definition as it was first conceived. Yeah, but I mean, moving the goalposts has always been, you know, par for the course for the capitalist agenda, always change the definition right. to suit. And I can't deny that words change over time, you know, it, it, yeah. I think that language does evolve. A lot of this idea of what propaganda, the the now negatively connotative uh, word propaganda, a lot of that meaning comes from the Cold War. I think it comes from our experience combating the, you know, the Soviet menace and thinking of them as a uniquely evil thing that does mind control through print and television media, that kind of shit. But there's also the idea that propaganda is not necessarily confined to one sector of, you know, uh, information sharing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, because words evolve, it's okay to use the modern terminology to, to an extent to kind of determine how people should interact with that thing. So uh, largely throughout this episode, when we talk about propaganda, we will probably be using a more modernized take on it. The uh, And using that more modernized take, it is fair to say that the country we live in, America, is far and away the most heavily propagandized country. But Phil, we don't have a state media telling us exactly what to think. Oh, no, we have that free media. We have 20 different outlets telling us the exact same thing, what to think. Oh. Or alternately, we have celebrities appearing on TV and telling us what to think. Or 
in between every single episode of this military loving cop copaganda show you're watching, there's advertisements telling us what to think and what to want. Doesn't that sound delightful? Delightful. You can just turn your brain off and be told exactly how to feel, which is all capitalism is good. Yeah, it's um, I think it's fairly obvious that like the similar to how like the idea that we supposedly have some sort of democracy because of a choice between two parties as opposed to, you know, say Cuba not having a d democracy because there is basically one party despite having more, you know, active voter participation, better uh, voter outcomes, that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. It's similar in that it's an obfuscation of of multiples. So because the uh, state media the state media being, say, like NPR or, you know, DOD briefs, people, press conferences, all of that, since that is obfuscated, is put through the sieve of however many private companies, even if they're, you know, it, it, however many news networks are owned by however few private companies, because it goes through that sieve, it gets kind of washed in it, it gets democracy washed, you know, it goes through this panel uh, that mystifies it and makes it seem as though we're getting it from a independent source when that source is still connected to if not you know, hand in glove, like, you know, reprinting police reports on the local news is still sharing class, class solidarity between those who run the state, the bourgeois, and those who benefit from the running of the state, the bourgeois, who either, you know, are politicians in one sense or media moguls in another. Yeah, I mean, we don't have, quote unquote, state run media, but find me a single media outlet that's not just some that's not like on online only that right. that says across the board billionaires are bad. You're not going to find right. you're not going to find any single one of these news stations saying maybe we shouldn't have people owning 99 percent of all the wealth. Right. And even if it's not the thing that really annoys me. Because what's his face? Chomsky gets into this pretty, pretty deeply in uh, the manufacturing consent. And so does um, Parenti in Inventing Reality, where it's talking about the, I think, better probably in Inventing Reality, because I, I think that Parenti's analysis is much more clear. Uh, if not, I don't know. Both of them are very scientific in their analysis, but I digress. Uh, they, they talk about specifically that these are classes working together or against each other in the case of, you know, the, the normal dialectical conflict of our of our existence as capitalist subjects is that the state exists as a tool to be wielded by one class against another. But it is not the only tool. And of course, you can work within, say, uh, these public-private partnerships, these cozy media relationships to create a uh, basically just propaganda, things that you want the world to be like because it is even without your – your active thinking. I don't know necessarily how many people are actively thinking we're producing propaganda. Certainly there must be some. Yeah, but there are plenty of others, I'm sure, who are just playing the game. Because of the incentive structures and the, the class solidarity amongst these media producers and these media creators, like that's just how it's 
gonna happen yeah i mean it's the way it's the way the uh, capitalist agenda is set up they don't the, the average person has been so indoctrinated by the system at this point that even those who are closer to the reins of power who are like a couple one or two steps below it are still convinced completely that society is functioning normally and nothing is, and nothing they're doing is unethical those at the reins of power have to know what they're doing is pure evil but that's you know that's I don't know, man. Like, not that it, you know, uh, I was um, I was looking at how, you know, the the government shutdown came and went or whatever this last week again for like the third time this year. Mm. And I was like, I can't believe we like bargained away the um, student payment pause to supposedly save the government from a shutdown during the debt ceiling thing. And then we had to do the same thing twice over again inside of like three months. Yeah, well, we just keep losing a little bit at a time and then it gives us another like 40 days. And it's like, all right, right, we can 40 days till you lose just a teeny little bit more rights. And then 40 more days and then you lose a little bit more rights. And I have to wonder, like my head is like, I think that he is biden himself who knows because it's it's but i think the admin you know i think that the the blob that create that comes out of you know that forms itself into the biden administration i think generally that they might be ideologically committed to that kind of austerity they're also a bunch of you know backbiting freaks who want to get their payouts and want to get their revolving door jobs at the end of the administration so of course They'll do whatever they need to to get, you know, Nelnet or some finance sector goon his little cut. I don't know necessarily if because we're all the same. Ultimately, I mean, I think a lot of these people have lost a lot of their humanity up near the top. But like we all have, I think, at some basic level, some of the same impulses and those impulses generally to like kind of make sense of our place in the world and so i think that some people might still just be like ideologically committed in a way that absolves them like they say you're a liberal oh you have to do these things but you feel bad about them oh you know you have to do these things they're they're necessary and also yet you know it's going to massively uh hurt everybody except for you that impulse to guilt, I think, is another ideological symptom of these guys kind of trying to reckon with the evil they're doing. But ultimately, whether or not they know that they're doing the horrible thing and are cool with that, or they have to justify it in their head, or they you know believe that it's totally necessary, that it has to be this way because it's the, quote, right thing to do. It What does it really change? Because whether or not Biden believes in... The austerity politics of uh, forcing people onto their student debt repayment again, or if he just likes to hurt people, the end result is the same. Yeah, I mean, I guess you make a very valid point. At the end of the day, even these pseudo humans running the world can still fall victim to the exact same propaganda as the rest of us. They might literally Mm -hmm. just be buying into their own bullshit. Yeah. So as we mentioned, this is going to be a a multi-part series on propaganda. The reason for that is... We think the best way to kind of go over propaganda as a broader idea is to break it into a bunch of different branches by which we're propagandized. So today we're literally just going to to do the lightest touch on multiple different variants on propaganda so that we can do a full scale episode on each one of these subcategories over the next four episodes. But before we do that, we're going to entertain you with delicious propaganda of our own. Mm-hmm. Morsels of propaganda wrapped in uh 
uh, sweet, sweet words. Red Scare Media presents a multiple part special edition of If Ruskies at One. Picture this. Should your pathetic pea brain be capable of such imagination, the Cold War was somehow lost by our valiant nation. And you're growing up under the harsh rule of foul communist tankies. When suddenly you have a thought. It matters not what that thought is, for I can guarantee that if it isn't the one you've been programmed to have, you will certainly face the most severe punishment. In this horrid dystopia, you and every other hard-working American would be exposed to a dangerous force known as propaganda. Propaganda is basically a fancy term that means anything that doesn't support the capitalist agenda. Over the next four segments, you will see several of the dark and twisted ways filthy commie scum would infiltrate your everyday life and your very right to free and independent thought. news media. The first dangerous form of propaganda that we'll be covering is the very lifeblood of the informed citizen. The news! I can assure you that were we living in a communist hell, we would be bombarded daily by print and televised media telling us what those in power deemed the things we needed to hear. This control over our news cycle would be truly terrifying. Let's have a look at what that might be like. This is News News Network, the only news that is broadcast over the entire nation. As always, this broadcast would repeat throughout the day, and we strongly encourage every citizen to set aside five minutes to watch a loop of this daily broadcast. An informed citizenry helps society thrive. Have you ever considered how dangerous it is that we're all forced to watch the exact same five minutes of news? They're clearly only telling us what they want us to hear. I mean, technically, we're not being forced, but being too uninformed makes it kind of hard to fit into the global community. Still, I know it's a pain to find five minutes each day for this. After all, there's nothing I want more after one of my hard four-hour workdays than to just unplug from the world. I found it's best to just watch it on my phone before I start the day. You know, get it out of the way. But this five minutes is all you're allowed to know. Surely that's an attempt at mind control, man. Uh, you know, there's... There's more news available to you through local community papers and monitored online outlets, right? This is just the information they think is too globally important for us not to know. Do you even hear yourself, man? Monitored online outlets? That's a fancy way of saying only the narrative approved by the institution, man. Uh, uh yeah. There's a reason news reporting is heavily scrutinized. We don't want the public given access to government-funded misinformation. Sounds like a lot of words to tell me you're a mind-controlled sheep, man. you fathom blindly accepting one narrative of the events happening around us? That freedom fighter was right to call out such a despicable system. Let's take a look at how we handle news in our great free-thinking nation. Welcome back to one of our many 24-hour news outlets, but the one that provides a centrist narrative, meaning we don't like Nazi activity, but... Shouldn't you consider their point of view? Man, that's fucked up. Shouldn't we be, like, condemning Nazis across the board? Again, like, I, how is anyone supposed to know what's 
actually important when we're being nonstop bombarded with dozens of different opinions on the most mundane things. Well, as a centrist myself, I'm kind of glad there's so much news out there. First of all, if we condemn Nazis on their beliefs, well, we're just as bad as they are. As to the variety of news outlets, that's what this melting pot's all about. We can get opinions ranging all the way from specifically only the Democrats drink baby blood and capitalism is good, all the way to Republicans are bad and some of the Democrats are too, and capitalism's still pretty good. That's called freedom of the press, buddy. But like, what about mainstream news that tells us capitalism is bad? How do we have all these networks and not one supports like the green or socialist parties, man? Oh, you're one of those commie hippie types. <laughs> well, thank goodness the news media warned me to stay away from your dangerous rhetoric. I'm really glad my preferred anchor people told me exactly how to avoid disinformation right before the commercial break. Whatever, man. Sounds like a lot of words to tell me you're a mind-controlled sheep. See how that second citizen was able to have such nuanced takes? That only comes from a truly balanced variety of news options. Thank goodness he was able to stay away from the ideologies of that dangerous hippie type. Until the next segment, God bless America. So as you just heard, the first variation of propaganda what we're going to be covering is one that we've kind of already been touching on a little bit, which is our 24-hour news cycle here in America and how it could be less terrible. I don't know. Like, the the kind of shit that, like, how it could be less terrible is what I'm saying. I don't know, because I don't know if this is, like, ay, 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 the, 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 is it salvageable to change the, these these local, like, uh, news channels, as well as the, the, you know, the national news, like the, the main Sunday shows and, you know, the, the cable ne- network shows. Those ones, I think we could fairly obviously say, boo, not going to work I, I out. I more meant, like, how the idea of news could be less terrible. Yeah, I guess the how the idea of news, as opposed to what we have now, because, like, obviously, people knowing things that are going on in the world and their community. It's not a bad thing uh, in and of itself. It's, although sometimes I feel like it might be. You just want everyone to be ignorant? I don't, not ignorant. I don't know. I think there's, there's, there's got to be a way to inform everybody, but with a narrative that doesn't inherently cr- create divides. I'm not saying ignorant. I'm saying like the kind of psychosis that we have from having, from being too plugged in is pretty bad. But I, yeah, I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying that we should just like, cut everybody off all all the ways or anything i just think that you know it's probably because of the way that we interact with these things that we have uh such a psychosis about it and not the actual information itself the no the act of knowing is not a bad thing but the way that we get there sometimes and specifically in uh in america the way we sell news as a commodity as opposed to yeah. information that should just be information for its own sake right definitely influences the way that it's uh taken into the average mind of no most people yeah you you're using it you're using news like a consumer, like you're using everything in this country. Yeah. Firstly, as a consumer, you want a pleasant experience. You want an experience that's going to excite you, that's going to give you something sweet to taste, give you something salty, something with a lot of flavor, things that are going to um, scare you or, you know, bring you joy. You're not going to look for clear directions to the nearest library. You're going to look for, like, what terrifying 
horrifying stories happened on the streets between you and the library. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's it's OK to tell people what they should know, but that information shouldn't be the stuff most designed to intimidate you and prevent mm-hmm. you from interacting with society. I know plenty of people in my life who all their they can't pick focus on the bigger picture because they're too worried about some shooting that happened specifically in the city we live in. And they're like, oh, the city is too dangerous. I'm not leaving my house. Yeah, but on like the opposite side of it. I like, yeah, the same shit happens here because I'm like, okay, people get way too upset, way too terrified about, you know, some small act of violence because they uh, watch the Channel 6 action news. They call it Channel 6 action news. And uh, of course, they focus mainly on the horrible violence. Yeah, yeah. On the action. That's how we like it in capitalism. The Mainly the horrible violence that people who are in bad conditions are often faced with. Yeah. So it's like, uh, you, you live in Queen Village, calm down. You live yeah. in Society Hill, stop freaking out about uh, possibly dying on... On fucking Pine Street when you heard about somebody in King Sesson getting lynched. Yeah, I mean, it's it really is. A, it really is astounding, Kyle, how uh, somehow in America, a country that literally spends a 24 hour news cycle telling you about all the violent things going on while showing you all the most violent movies and TV, that somehow we have a violence problem in this country. Yeah. We have a violence problem in this country. Uh, never mind the statistics about that. Um, but, you know, everybody seems to be so this is, again, like my my thing about the, the psychosis. I think that generally people because it's not wrong that people feel like things are worse. It's just that, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of fear that so many people have, I think, is a little overblown. But I'm also not terribly unfit white dude. I, I people really don't bother me all that much on the street. When people do bother me on the street, they don't seem to be threatening. So I guess I'm coming at it from a different perspective. Yeah. But it does to me seem like we because of and related to the way that we portray kind of ourselves as lone wolves against the world everybody's out to get you kind of shit especially in news and in the rest of our culture but especially i think in the news because it's like oh robberies oh murder oh all this shit we're not going to talk about the normal things not like i'm expecting every story to be about rainbows and puppies but you know it just does feel like it's trying to individualize ourselves even further well i mean and it's a distraction from a lot of the stories that actually matter because if you're too busy worried about oh someone's gonna break into my house and murder me any day then you're not thinking about the decision makers making horrible decisions on our behalf yeah but i mean in and of itself telling people what they should know isn't a bad thing we obviously pick the absolute worst things in this country but the main reason our news is so horrible specifically in the first in our little first world country quote unquote first world country bubble is because our news likes to tell us not the, the things you should know but how you should feel about those things how do you feel about the the strike in the UAW how do you feel about the north koreans testing out a new rocket how do you feel about this or that politician getting bribed whether he or may or may not be from the senator from new jersey yeah it, it tends to be a lot more about 
it, it's a it's news entertainment. It's opinion mongering. That's basically yeah. it's the opinion economy. The, the, the way we create a 24 hour news cycle isn't by actually having 24 hours worth of news. It's by letting people who have no qualifications whatsoever tell us what that news means. Yeah. Or their qualifications being that, like, they worked for a while in the press department at the White House. Like I said, no qualifications whatsoever. <laughs> OK. <laughs> As someone who is someone who's been trained to spin narratives their whole life, spinning a narrative. Well, I guess actually, if anything, that is the perfect qualification for the job they're given. But the job they're given shouldn't exist because it's evil. The exact <laughs> uh, the exact expertise one would expect. Yeah. Yeah, without without dwelling on it too much, because again, we'll be going much more into a deep dive next week with with news. Really, the whole point is that it lets us within our society create our approved list of who are the good guys, who are the bad guys. How are we, you know, how are we supposed to uh, react to the opinions that we're told not to like? Versus the ones we are supposed to like. Spoiler, China, doesn't matter what narrative you're coming from, China's one of the bad guys. And also, spoiler, we like China on this show. Obviously, there are things to complain about with China. Yeah, but like, yeah but just, there's no perfect countries in the entire world right now, but... Certainly not. And I would, you know, there's like... I, I was recently... I, I've been listening to a, a couple of stories about, um, like, POWs provided by Trunon and... Um, the kind of conflict specifically coming out of the, you know, the wars in Indochina that became the war in uh, Vietnam. And, you know, there's a little bit of discussion about China, like their support for Cambodia, who was also at some time because of Pol Pot getting support from the CIA. So there's like a lot of weird nuance to China. But obviously you're not getting that from you're just getting uh, communism yeah. equals evil. And right that no further analysis needed. I, I appreciate you keeping me informed because I'm, I, I like to stay nuanced. You know, that's, that's very important. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great to be nuanced among friends when every single article is like, oh, uh, uh, living standards are rising in China. How does this affect the global economy and why is it bad for you in America? Like that's like when that's every story, it's a little, it's fine to not come out and be totally nuanced about every single decision that uh, the Chinese Communist Party and the People's Republic has made over the last, you know, what is it? They just passed 60 years, 70 yeah. years, 49 to 19. That would have been 70, I guess. No, I'm bad at math. It's, uh, it's, it's 70. Uh, yeah, 74 years, 49. Jesus Christ, I'm bad at math. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, that, could, yeah that's 70. So they're 74 years old. Nice. Good for them. But I'm not going to relitigate every decision that they've made with people who are just reposting the economist headline. Yeah, because I mean, it's at this point, I'm just trying to fight against the uphill battle of how is it dangerous that China has 66 percent of its nation covered in free high speed rail? Right. <laughs> how is it such a horrible thing to uh, look at China? Look, even if you're one of the because I'm no Maoist. I'm no Maoist. I think that Mao had himself some good ideas, but I'm not what you would call a Maoist, like as in the online sense, the the way that people are in on Twitter, which I think generally is all just again psychosis. It's yeah. I mean, not when that, you're chronically online, it doesn't matter what your beliefs right. are. You're going to end up with some screwy I'm stuff. I'm just a communist. Like, even, a just, even a chronically online Marxist-Leninist is going to end up with some problems. Yeah, with real silly things. So, like, again, the best thing to do is to talk to people in real life. But, like, I just call myself a communist. But I don't necessarily, you know, there are plenty of reasons to take issue with the 
directive that China has taken. But like, yeah, again, we are uh, this is a big tangent, but like uh, the, the main thing is that, you know, people are given one version of the truth when it comes to China in particular in this country. Mm. But meanwhile, on the other hand, uh, if you want multiple different versions of the truth, we'd love to do that about our own local bullshit. Which, oh, yeah. Uh, which is exactly why we have like 12 different media outlets owned by three fucking different companies. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you can get your centrist versions. You can get your Democrat extra love versions. You can get your... Um, Insane you know, person uh, versions. Max no, kind of shit. Yeah. No offense to the alt right, but y'all are absolutely nutballs. Of course they're insane. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, I think all of us, uh, most of us in America are pretty fucking insane, but I think it's fairly obvious who the most insane are. Yeah. Um, well, except for to them, because they're yeah, the, like, them, we're the only us, ones who but... we're the only ones who are sane, and all y'all are just worshiping baby blood drinkers. <sighs> you, you just the first thing to do as a as a human being is to recognize, do the Socratic thing. I don't know a goddamn thing, and I'm probably also crazy. That is just that it's great. Once you've made past that hurdle and accepted that you are probably insane, everything from beyond that gets a lot easier, a lot better. Maybe not better. Easier. Eh. The key to an effective news outreach would be having a citizenry that is conditioned to learn the idea. Hey, maybe I'm wrong about this. But we live in America where you're always right all the time and everyone else's opinion is stupid. Yeah, in part because the hyper individualization that we suffer. It's the theme that I keep coming back to in literally every episode that we talk about America in, because that's all we really ever talk about is America, is that we are hyper individualists. In a sense, we are the world. Thou art God in Robert Heinlein's words, except that when Robert Heinlein was saying it, it meant more of a even him, a a noted libertarian weirdo, even him. It meant a little bit more of a communal sharing oneness with the atoms around us. No, here it's you. Your subjectivity is literally the end. And so if your subjectivity is wrong, you can't accept that. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense you'd bring up the problems with individualism because fundamentally communism and individualism are diametrically opposed. Yes. Individuality? No. Individualism? Yes. Everybody conflates yeah, the we, two. We, you're, you're, you're certainly allowed to. We, communism in a utopian society would encourage you to be an individual. Find the things you like. Be passionate about stuff. But here in America, it's not about being passionate about stuff. It's about shutting out everything that does disagrees with your worldview to the point that you're actively closing yourself off from passions. Right. And folks think so much of that, like individualism is a good thing because like, I don't know, because you aren't forced into obligations to others in their conception of what individualism is. But I think that because of our hyper individualism, we are forced into obligations, specifically the people who are a part of the working class who have to give up their time and be obligated and have responsibilities to others, which give them back very little return out of necessity to provide for their individual. Yeah. So it basically amounts to would you rather have an eight hour work week where you are helping a billionaire get richer, but you get to stay, you get to decide how you do that. Which billionaire are you helping get richer? Aren't you special? Or a four hour work week 
And then you also have to spend one hour actually being out with the community and interacting with people and being decent. That's still three hours of more free, of more personal free time. The only thing you know is that you know nothing. The only thing you are is a part of a thing. That's the that's what it is. You have to accept it. It's always this thing that it comes back to me. And I know I must sound like a fucking freak, but like the existence of responsibility to others, not as a forced, a coerced thing, because if you don't do that, you won't be able to f afford a roof over your head. But as a part of a, a greater organism like that's hippy dippy and shit. But like it, it feels right to me see and i i have no such spiritual component to it i don't think that there is anything greater than this but why the fuck wouldn't you want to help humanity thrive yeah it's it's there's no there's no incentive to the greater cosmic sense of what humanity is to be a shitbag because it being a shitbag and only only looking out for number one undermines everything about in what what would be best for our uh, the p prospect of a future? I think that I mean at the end of the day, if you want to look at in the one trillion year looking long out view, yeah, heat death of the universe doesn't fucking matter. But maybe over that one trillion years, we could try to be more comfortable and not terrible. Yeah, too. It's also like for people who die at like the high end on a hundred years, that, that's a lot can change. I I also am like you know you know maybe I'm because I I talk about like the the greater organism or whatever that that is society that is the the social being it may seem as though i'm trying to minimize each person's individual existence but our individual existence is ultimately yeah what we have you know it, it should be shared it should be uh, treasured and I think that, yeah, like whatever, we think that the, the world's going to end at some point. So who matters at all? Because there is an ending. But I feel like the ending itself, firstly, being on such a scale that is so infinitely far away that you can't even imagine a number that that corresponds to it. But like the closeness of of your own mortality is what is important. And the, 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 the world that you can help create inside of that that window into this subjectivity is much, much more important, I think, than than any yeah. supposed end. So, I mean, and that's what it comes down to is in a better society, the quote unquote propaganda of news would be just to inform you of information that is outside of your current set of information. And you can still have nuanced discussions. You can still disagree about things like Kyle and I do from time to time. Mm -hmm. But that's not how we operate our news in the in modern society. We operate our news with active malice and in, will, willful intent to separate people. Yeah. And then so. in between each of those news segments that screech at you about how evil China is or how evil one party or the other is, uh, make sure to keep your eyes peeled for the next pharmaceutical advertisement or some other ridiculous shit. What are you telling me? Advertisements are a form of propaganda, Kyle? Well, ah. maybe there's maybe we have some kind of a special queued up to tell us more about that. We now return to our special on communist propaganda. Part two. Advertising. Should we have fallen to communist rule, another way that we'd be controlled is by being told what we're obligated to want or need, or even worse, not having any such option. We would be left in a void of indecision. Here's exactly how that might look. Uh, I'm sorry, sir. What's your problem? Yeah, yeah. How the hell am I supposed to know which of these four serial types I want? 
They just list a bunch of nutrition facts. None of them even have, like, fun cartoon characters. Tell me know which one's best. I guess you should just choose based on what kind of cereal you like. Oh, sure. Next you'll be telling me I need to pick my own hobbies or choose what kind of music I want to hear all by myself. Well, how am I supposed to know what I want? I'm not a friggin' mind reader. I, I honestly don't know how to respond to that. Frightening stuff. Did you see how that shop clerk was paralyzed by indecision in such a bland, fact-based setting? Now, let's see just how much more freedom that same setting has with a healthy supply of advertisement. What can I help you find today, sir? Yeah, I'm looking for them sugar-blasted chonkios. Oh, uh, they're right here. But we have an off-brand version right next to that that's made in the same factory for half the price. Aw, oh, don't try and scam me with that crap. You got some bored old crocodile with a t-shirt on the front. I know for a fact the real stuff's better, because it's got Gator Gary on the front. The raddest dude on any cereal box ever. Well, it seems to me like the last thing you need is a big bowl of sugar, but I also uh, don't really care about your well-being, so suit yourself. Oh hell yeah! I can't wait to eat this in front of the TV so it can tell me more things I should want over other things! Look how happy that sugar-addled person was, getting the best of both worlds. Multiple choices of the same product, but with someone to tell you which one to like more, that is truly peak freedom. God bless America. Yeah, so uh, the next episode that you'll be hearing from us in two weeks is going to be all about ads. And boy, oh boy, do we have a lot of them here in America. Yeah, it's it, it's basically constant. It, it, it's one of the only sectors of the economy that's like, <sighs> I guess I should... I, I hesitate to say creating value because what does it actually do? Um, I say this as a person who, who whose bread and butter is is entirely supported. Like if I wanted to to stay alive in this economy, I'd need the advertisement industry. But it is it is, I think, fairly obvious to everyone, you know, that that advertising in and of itself, it's not the most productive of our endeavors let's say that it's it is one of the many job fields in america that is literally make work for the sake of creating bigger number yeah we need to make bigger number and don't and i can't deny for a lot of the people who go into the actual production side of advertising there is some craft to it you know i would know because I know a lot of people who work in that kind of sector. But imagine if imagine if instead of that craft being applied to how can we sell people things, right. it was applied to how can we broaden horizons. Right. How can I create art? How can I share information that I've learned? Because the, the people who make advertisements, I, we know, we've seen them, you know, it's oftentimes trotted out like it's almost a, a not a slur, but almost like a clapback when it's like, oh, look at this, this guy with their slick ads. It's like, yeah, they're slick. My friends worked on that shit. They did a really good job, but I will never buy that product because that is silly and I don't need it. Yeah, but I mean, at the, at the same time, to clear oh you're the one person who ads don't work on is a bit silly if you think I'm you're not. immune to <laughs> i'm not i i literally what was i i was watching an advertisement the other day and i was like holy shit that actually makes me kind of want to buy the thing fuck what was it was it shoes i do need new shoes so maybe i'm predisposed but 
I can't remember. But then, In yeah, any it's case, about telling I, you it which definitely works. Water, right? yeah. but. That, that, I think that's what it comes down to. Advertising would be less evil if instead of the agenda behind it being, here's the specific brand of this thing you should want. Here's how you should be spending your capital on this point, on this, not necessarily a pointless thing, but on this some, some specific variant of the same thing. Mm-hmm. If, if instead advertising was more directed at, hey, here's... Uh, here's the thi- here's the information you should know about why this thing is important, or here's the thing you m- literally might not know about because you know society hasn't uh, really brought it to the forefront of your attention. That wouldn't be an, uh, uh, that wouldn't be necessarily as bad. Right. I don't know. I still think that in a post capitalist world, we could also be post advertising, and then we could, could again, like you said, apply that art form instead to other forms of media. Right. I don't necessarily know. Like obviously, advertising and marketing as it is right now, I don't think would exist uh in part because you know obviously the incentive structures would make it just completely useless but to say like people wouldn't make things to tell people where they could go where they could see things you know it it would basically be like everybody's producing like not music videos but um tutorials you know i know a lot of folks who who would do this and would instead be like all right now we're going to make a promotional video for this event it would be kind of this energy could be converted into producing more similar to like news being converted. It would be converted into just like how to make more fun and more engaging. Yeah. Engaging ways of bringing people into community events or showing them where they can get what, what or when. Yeah. I I think that, yeah, I think there's, there is a place certainly to helping the people, helping people know, about you know the things that they should be involved in without it being sold to them as something that they need but more as something they should want to be part of and again as long as there wasn't a money facet behind it if there wasn't a capitalist incentive behind it there's no evil behind that Mm -hmm. but because of the way our society works right now there's no way to create advertising without a capitalist incentive right everything's everything's poisoned by the incentive of capital it'd be like you said everything's poisoned by the well of uh, capital and the sad reality is that with the way we've set our country up right now the main purpose that advertising is used for is here are two basically identical products but here's why you want this one same as a political advertising Mm, the democrat and the republican two basically identical products but here's Mm -hmm. why you want this one he wants to say racial slurs Right. This one makes you feel guilt, which is great for your Calvinist sensibilities. This one makes you feel rage, which is great for your other, I guess, pagan sensibilities. Uh, (laughs) We're all stuck on this hedonic wheel of choosing whether or not we want to feel sad or angry in this in this completely, I guess, alienated world. And again, both in the political system and the more uh, broad capitalist system, these two nearly identical products are very often presented by the exact same company. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The same company is making or these things. In, in the political sense, the, the company is America. Yeah. In this sense, it would simply be those clowns in Congress came all out of the same co- clown car. Uh, but the, 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 the cereal box was made in the same cereal factory and is owned by the same cereal factory owner and yet at the end of it you know they put a different label on it and you can see the change in price it really expands the margins when you when you add some marketing to it yeah well i mean it is it is unfortunate how as of now 
this, like you said, potential art form is instead reduced to literally trying to convert us into mindless consumers. But the best way to help really convert us into a mindless consumer isn't just to show us an ad, but to attach something to that ad, a little pizzazz, perhaps some celebrity or something like that. Which brings us into our next point. We now return to our special on communist propaganda. Part three, culture, culture. Going back to the dystopia that is communist rule, we will be facing a truly horrific amount of control over how we were made to perceive our cultural touchstones. Whether that be celebrities, historical figures, or fictional characters, just to name a few. What might a day in this hellish life look like? Why, something just like this. How could the government ban all music by DJ White Power? His jams were the freshest. Jeez, dude. Uh, if his name didn't tip you off, you know, his music had some really, really bad ideology, like pretty much across the board in every song. I don't care about the lyrics. He had all the best beats. I'm not dumb enough to have my opinion subtly changed by hearing the same message over and over and over and over again, laid over rhythm. Being told you're not legally allowed to hero worship or even enjoy the figures society deems as evil. Thank goodness we have so much freedom here in America, allowing everyone to find people to idolize. Oh yeah, I love this pop song that I've heard on the radio 20 times today. Unrelated, but I have a strange urge to defend the artist who wrote it unconditionally. Nobody in history has gone through as much romantic hardship as she. Dude, that pop garbage is rotting your brain. Uh, thank goodness I only listen to edgy punk bands, so I know that everything is hopeless, and there's no point to feeling any emotion other than directionless anger. Y'all know most of this music nowadays is full of woke bullcrap, right? That's why I like my good old country. Written for hardworking white people, by hardworking white people. It's even better these artists look so clean and are worth millions and are definitely the same kinds of guys I am. Gives me something to aspire to. You're all being stupid. I've risen above having lyrics tell me how to feel. That's why I've switched to EDM. My celebrity of choice is so cool, they don't even show their face. Bro, you are shouting. What? Look at all that diversity in who to hero worship. And that's just in the genre of music. I think we have a clear winner for which cultural setting is better for the brains of the masses. Whether it's our movies and television, our religious institutions, or even the hottest fashions, we clearly have a wider variety of things to argue about than any country could hope for. God bless America. So in three months... You'll get to hear us talk all about culture and how we are in our cultural in our cultural settings told how to think and feel in a whole new slew of ways. I'm super cultured, too. You're going to learn some. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very plugged into celebrity. I mean, I read mm. all the gossip rags. I definitely I'm know always all on the... page six. Wait, is page yeah. six the, the gossip I... rags or is that the nudie one? Either way, I'm I always on page six. I have no idea what you had. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you, but um, I mean, I, hey, if you really want the nudie ones, why are you why are you wasting time with print media, man? Print media <laughs> uh, when there's perfectly no one, good. No one, no one looks at good old fashioned porn magazines anymore. Nobody 
prints out their their pornos anymore. <laughs> no, nobody's nobody's doing black and white scans of their uh, their favorite porn stars. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. Culture is, uh, again, something that in and of itself, culture is a beautiful thing and something we should absolutely thrive to create in society. But it is one more thing that instead has been weaponized to tell people exactly what they're supposed to believe. Yeah, I I always think about like, so I feel like celebrity culture as it is currently, obviously, very, I don't even know if I want to say different, just like accentuated, hyper, hyper celebrity culture again. We're at that. What's his dick? Um, Jesus, the hyper realism guy. I think we are in that ed that that stage of where everything kind of needs to be like, you know, you're throttling it. You're putting it all the way up Um, and similar. Like I think about, you know, celebrities in the past, you know, we've definitely had like, you know, Olympic athletes from ancient Greece. You know, they had, you know, famous artists and poets or whatever in Rome and in, you know, Baghdad during the Abbasid dynasty. You know, they've had all of these celebrities, these kind of generally court or uh, upper echelon connected kind of artists or athletes. But the way that celebrity culture, especially I think since the advent of social media has kind of like exploded, I just, it's turned into something, maybe it's because I, uh, you know, I, uh, recency bias, I live in this world, I have to deal with this fucking world. Um, I mean, I'm offline, I am chronically offline anymore, I don't even have Mm -hmm. any social media accounts, and I still seem to get bombarded with celebrity shit that I don't care about. Yeah, especially because you work in you work next to uh, aisles that might have magazines that have Travis Kelsey and uh, what's her face uh, Taylor Swift on it. Okay, legit. It wasn't even the magazines. I just osmosis through pure (laughs) osmosis of living in society. I can't avoid hearing about this Taylor Swift dating a football star bullshit. It's like, I don't care who's dating who, but society sure as hell does to the extent that, I mean, outside of we're going to do an episode, obviously, on cultural propaganda, more fleshed out later. We can probably do a whole nother episode specifically talking about celebrity. Yeah, celebrity. And (laughs) my brother brought up a fun conspiracy theory, one that I don't think is is totally out of the question that uh part of the <laughs> reason that taylor swift was connected to travis kelsey and going to a jets game is so that when you look up taylor swift jets instead of coming across her pretty notorious uh <laughs> yeah it was fossil fuel usage jet flights you know 20 minutes in the air between la and like san diego um now you just see her clapping up in a box seat looking pretty which i mean to taylor swift's credit she is very good at looking she's pretty. very pretty uh no doubt and uh and, and legitimately you know what no disrespect she is a talented musician in her own right i oh yeah I, for sure i'm not a big fan of that genre of music but like It'd be foolish of me to say that she doesn't have some skills and She's especially with hits that I'm OK yeah. with. You know, I'm not a I'm not very plugged into most of any music scene, but I don't hate Taylor Swift's music. I don't have enough of an yeah, opinion. I just, honestly. I just hate her for being a billionaire who does more fossil fuel damage than any other individual one person, unless you count like corporate CEOs. But like any any one individual person who can't shove it off onto a company who has to say, like, this is specifically the Taylor Swift fund. Right. No, this is. a Yeah, she's another rich person who gets to kill the environment with impunity. And, you know, my opinions on how we should be moving people around and also where billionaires should end up are different than hers, I think. 
Yeah, that's okay. We're we're uh, we'll we'll turn the Swifties against us even more on future episodes. Yeah, but uh, that's how we're gonna get popular is as the anti Swifty pod. They're going to turn on <laughs> yeah. us for our lukewarm <laughs> takes on Taylor Swift. We're, we're so original. Yeah, I mean, and it's I mean, but it doesn't matter uh, outside of just the celebrity of it all. Uh, in, in every uh, every subset of culture has its own brand of celebrities. And uh, each of those subsets of culture finds ways to embed itself into the brain of the average consumer. Like uh, music, obviously, the go to there is you're not listening to the lyrics, but you're still absorbing them a mm-hmm. lot of time. I mean, if you are listening to the lyrics, usually you tend to like more progressive stuff. In my experience, a lot of people who listen to the lyrics listen to a lot of Rage Against the Machine type stuff, although they've turned pretty lib lately. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, um, what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, there's no there are there's no pure again, there's no ethical consumption in capitalism, blah, blah, blah. The closest you can get to, like, I guess, and this is probably not true but um if you're a rock fan and you uh want to have like decent politics in your rock just listen to roger waters and generally it'll come out all right oh yeah i mean pink floyd he's uh he's one of your og yeah, pink floyd is one of the og leftist bands and uh they still stand the test of time which is why they are constantly being slandered by the mainstream media and constantly right. under a state of why the adl <laughs> is like roger waters is a nazi have you not seen the wall? I'm sorry. It's very controversial to be actively anti right wing somehow. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's not just our music. Uh, the other, uh, the other, fa- one of the other major facets of culture that we absolutely love in America is that AAA media, baby. Mm. Give me the Marvel movies, more Marvel, Marvel pumping Marvel. into my bloodstream. They're the only blockbusters we make anymore, and it's great because we get to see a new version of the F-35 in every single film. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it is funny how the Marvel movies simultaneously create these very pro-military propaganda messages, but also show how incompetent our military is without superheroes to do all the actual work. Right, the superheroes are doing everything. We get to see the flight of these F-16s, of these F-18s. Well, actually, you know what? It's more likely that the, uh, what are those, those F-20... somethings that never actually got used except for bombing a few hospitals in Iraq. Shit. I can't remember the Raptors, but yeah, I feel like they're more, if you're a, if you're a Raptor pilot for the air force, you got more flight miles under yourself, uh, flight hours under your uh, belt, uh, working for Disney and Marvel than you did ever for any actual engagement. Certainly no, never a dogfight. Not a single one of those has ever been in a dogfight. Oh, definitely not. We wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't dream of it. Uh, no, we, we just have no parody and we don't fight anybody except for, you know, People who are forced into well, I mean, because in real life, in real life, much like in the Marvel movies, the bad guys are always I want to destroy the entire planet. And yeah. no subtlety, no subtlety. Beyond that. that's that's how that's just how, so. So if it weren't for America, the entire planet would be destroyed. Do you really want that? Right. We all get to the thing that kills me. I, and this is again, uh, uh, well, we'll end up talking about this because this is one that really is near and dear to me. Uh, the Marvel shit, the superhero, like the the feeling Genre. of superhero dumb in in people's like media consumption uh it's been described by and i will find the exact article so that i can properly credit this when we come up to this episode but it's been described as like the infantile impulse of fascism where you are looking for some sort of ubermensch to take care of the world to take care of your problems to take care of you as the world gets scarier and uh, obviously accentuating that terror by putting up a shield and taking you away from it 
I, I find it so terrifying to that that's all we we make anymore. And, you know, obviously, thankfully, in one respect, thankfully, you know, it's not like Top Gun is exactly a, <laughs> it, it is very rah-rah. It's another military propaganda film. It's trying to it's basically a Navy recruitment film. But at the very least, there's no fucking superheroes except for uh, Goose. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's not it, Goose. We, whatever his fucking name is, Maverick. We still put super. We still put superheroes in those kinds of movies. They're just the kind who don't have any actual powers, right? But they're but they still seem to do astronomically impossible things. Like every movie, The Rock appears in, where The Rock is somehow immune to the laws of physics, even though he's just a regular guy. I saw a clip, and and this is funny. It's. A triple A media, of course, but uh, I saw a clip, I guess, from Fast and Furious 9 where uh, Jason Statham and um, Vin Diesel are fighting and they're not allowed it contractually, neither of them. When they sign a contract with the film, neither of them are allowed to be written to lose a fight. So <laughs> when they were fighting against each other, they had this strange like act of God break the ground underneath them. So they got separated and like ran off in different directions. And I'm like, that is funny as shit. I love that. I, I love the kind of contractual hoops that force. It's honestly one of the more fun things about, uh, about movie culture to me is like how stupid some of the decisions are made. Yeah, we're actively undermining good script. Let's, let's undermine good script writing in the name of, contracts and you know fine contracts print. <laughs> and some idiots like pride i, e I just find it very yeah. funny but i mean we're we'll talk more on that when we get to the culture episode but for let, let's change the channel right now it's that's too much too much triple a media is gonna rot your brain let's switch over to the wonderful world of sports surely no, no fighting and horrible uh cultural uh, detachments could occur from a fun game of sport ball i love sports i'm not gonna lie i enjoy the shit out of sports and I do kind of enjoy the tribal boost that it gives me. But yeah, um, I don't go the rivalries out. in and of themselves aren't unhealthy. Right. Yeah, I, I love it's this. It's the way it's sold to us. A little competitive rivalry is very fun. But also it's like it's so obvious, especially I think in the early times of um, uh, of the covid pandemic before sports had come back. It's very important to keeping us from going completely insane to have that kind of like almost similar to a religious experience have kind of like an exorcism of this competitive uh spirit you know we we do it in order to expel some of that that energy mm -hmm. it's i mean i've made it no secret i couldn't care less about most sports even esports even as a gamer i just i don't have the drive to watch other people doing a thing better than i could do it I would just assume do the thing by my own mediocre way and engage in the things I like engaging in. But I definitely understand that that competitive nature exists in a lot of people and there's nothing wrong with it because com a competitive nature in and of itself can be used to, you know, broaden our views and uh, what we have access to as a species. Innovation, competitiveness can breed innovation. Capitalism is the wrong kind of competitiveness to breed the right kind of innovation. Uh, it's also similar to like AAA media where it's got constant pro-military messaging. At the very least, since like 2001, we've been singing that fucking stupid ass song before every every sports game. I went to a USL match. I went to several USL matches at St. Louis. And then when I was living in Phoenix, 
every single time. This is in the second league of soccer in a 5,000 seat stadium. We got to stand up and we got to put our fucking hats over our hearts and sing that stupid national anthem. And then if you go to a big game, if you go to see the cards in postseason, they'll fly a fucking jet over the goddamn thing. And we'll be like, there's our proud airmen coming out from Midway. Uh, uh, what's it? The, the Mid-America Air Base over in Belleville, Illinois. Yeah, and of course, if you disagree with any of these things, for example, maybe taking a knee during the national anthem, mm-hmm. ho, ho, are you going to catch hell for that? You're out of a job, Colin. It, it's, yeah, the indoctrination, the indoctrination attached to our view on sports is the problem. Yeah, because the sports, again, like you're saying, the competitiveness, the rivalry, it's not a bad thing in itself. It is a powerful not a soporific in some senses it can be but it is a very powerful feeling and a very powerful impulse that comes from us and what we attach to that in the sense of american sports is like oh patriotism oh um defeating the the bad guys you know that's kind of again like the the black and white message of of uh marvel movies is also imprinted on the black and white method message of sports yeah i have no doubt in my mind we could this is sports is another one we could do a whole ass episode on oh hell yeah and i'd do it i i again i really like sports i, I, I want to get a guest for that uh, one because yeah. then you'd actually have someone to bounce stuff <laughs> off of other than i don't watch the stuff i can talk um, to my brother too he's really into sports obviously yeah, he's even um, more into it than i am he he knows things about basketball yeah. and baseball that i, I but really right now only... we're, we're just focusing on overviews and yeah. uh speaking of overviews one we've already done an episode on well at least kind of uh, not the the broader topic but on a more subcategorized topic of is the, the one of the major other ways culture keeps us divided religious views mm-hmm. yeah um i think it's fairly I, again we've we've done an episode on this my views on religion are pretty I think well known, at least to anybody who's listened to those. Generally, I think that there is a, again, similar to how sports is an exorcism of our energies and similar to how it it kind of creates such a powerful um, associative response and emotional response for people. I think religion also does the same thing. But we all now in this world are capitalist, you know, we're basically Calvinists. You know, we, we, we see in ourselves this kind of hyper individual life that we have to create a personal experience with God that is separate from others. And by, you know, keeping it that way, you know, or, you know, by having the, the country that we live in reifying that religion of individualism, of individual godliness, you know, I do, it, it puts a very, very basic wall between even the simplest of interactions. Mm. It's unfortunate that uh, we can't have a society in which religious views are treated purely uh, with uh, with the uh, open minded uh, curiosity towards the unknown as opposed to an active I'm right and you're wrong mentality. It, it, it does feel like to me that religion in, in general like a lot of the things that we do in this country and in most capitalist countries, it tends to be either something you were born with or a consumer choice. Uh, less so about the kind of search for meaning or community. Yeah, I, I definitely respect that there are a lot of people out there who use religion for that search for meaning or community. But because it's so tied and ingrained into our capitalist system, it's still exploited for the sake of evil. Whereas mm-hmm. In and of itself, I don't think that having 
a curiosity towards the unknown that delves into specific of a specific belief set is inherently unhealthy. Unfortunately, the other problem is that a lot of these belief sets were written millennia ago, back when it was okay to hate anyone who wasn't a straight person of the color that is the normal color in that country. Right. Um, I think it's a bit more complicated when we talk about like ancient books, because I think we put a lot of like Victorian understandings of gender and race on people of pre-Victorian times. But yes, I, I think it's fairly obvious there are like some pretty some pretty retrograde opinions in parts of the book that people uh, draw from. Specifically, I'm thinking of, you know, Leviticus kind of shit. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and going back to the theme of propaganda, that's weaponized again by way of saying this is the stuff we're going to focus on. Yeah. Let's when we talk about religious issues, what we mean is all the bad shit. Don't right. worry about the religious issues where Jesus said we should love everybody and mm -hmm. we should burn down the capitalists who are in the temple. Like I didn't say burn them down, but, you know, like we don't want to talk about over. we don't want to talk about Jesus hating the hating, hating the vendors. We want to talk about Jesus, or not Jesus, but God himself mm -hmm. saying gay people should uh, be stoned to death right because because that's certainly not a single one of the prophets was just a liar and a scam artist not a single one of them um and it really does just kind of leaning into the next topic you know with religion it matters how you teach that scripture it does speaking of uh teaching things let's let's see what our uh good friends at red scare media have to say about the topic we now return to our special on communist propaganda. Part four, the education system. Finally, we've reached perhaps the most dangerous way in which communism would control the hearts and minds of the masses. The method by which they would shape the opinions of the youngest citizens. Schools. Tremble in fear as you see the conditions placed on our most malleable minds. All right, class, today we'll be continuing our discussion on the fallout of World War One. In the wake of this disastrous event, the USSR was left with severely flagging resources and faced with united opposition and sanctions by the formerly warring European powers and a cast of capitalist fifth columnists attempting to undermine society and the well-being of the masses in the name of acquiring the smallest advantage. Due to these issues, there followed a period of severe shortages, previously referred to as the Holodomor. The texts have since been amended to call it the Great Famine. Thankfully, due to some necessary ruthlessness on the part of Joseph Stalin, the nation and later the world was able to... Settle down there, kids. I know you're all looking forward to enjoying another sunny Alabama day, but recess is still three minutes away. Now, if you could open your books to page 64, today we're going to be talking about Robert E. Lee. Now, even though we can agree that slavery was maybe at least a little bit bad, it doesn't mean we can't admire this fine, upstanding Confederate leader. While he didn't care about all the slave stuff, nah, he was just fighting for states' rights. And he was a truly noble man, too. Now, for homework, I'd love y'all to draw a map of all 48 different states and capitals listed in your book. How's that for nuance? Clearly, the American... 
second way is superior once again. Hopefully this collection of shorts has helped you realize just how dangerous the propaganda of the communist regime would be. And how good we have things here. Until next time, remember to trust our version of reality completely because we know what's best for you. God bless America. So it's it's fair to say the most universal uh, form of propaganda experienced in this country is the propaganda of just going to school. If you're going to exist in America, you have to at least do a few years and uh, they will tell you lots of things during that time. And a lot of it is very flat out false. But we're okay with that. Some of it's right. You got to think some of it's right. Right. Like there are 26 letters, right? Oh, I mean, a a lot of it's right. I think that I think education is incredibly important, but uh, I just don't think that our education system should uh, have textbooks that haven't been updated in more than half a century. Yeah, I it's it's fairly obvious, like education, obviously, itself is a matter of um, the public education system that we have currently the or well, not currently, but as it was designed, was designed in large part to create a serviceable workforce at the expense of the state for uh people who needed people who could read instructions for factory uh employment and read instructions and take orders Mm -hmm. it's it's not about broadening horizons and it never has been and i generally think that you know I, i bring that up and it is obviously not a great thing but i do think that there is something to be said about you know uh, the 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 kind of socialization of children of people into a, a world. Obviously, we're socializing them to be individuals and cogs in a factory machine. And we're doing that even better now in this uh, post-COVID era. Yeah, oh God, it's even fucking worse. But yeah, it's like now since we've kind of shed the practical world that the public schools were servicing in sectors, obviously, because from the very beginning, public schools were provided for by local property tax. And if your local property is worthless because, you know, it's been destroyed by developers or just you're you're black and the the bank rates you with you know horrible loans and everything around you is being destroyed by the the local government because they don't think of you as human then your schools are going to be dog shit too so like yeah there's a big difference from the St. Louis public school system in you know Normandy which has been under however many uh changes in the last like decade or if you're in the public school in Ladue same ish system very different uh, demographics, which lead, of course, to different school outcomes. Yeah. And then as we create these horrible, actively refuting scientific evidence books from 1950 school systems that pump out incredibly un- uninformed, quote unquote, educated people, mm-hmm. then those then those people no uh, don't have the tools they need to thrive in society and stay poor and stay in that district, creating an eternal cycle of great little working class peons. Yeah. Or, or people that can, you know, barely read because uh, we like I've 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 been exposed somewhat to uh, like my grandmother was a teacher. I've had a lot of teachers in my family. I know a lot of teachers. And I do think, honestly, if I wasn't so impatient, I I, I can be awfully patient. But if I was I, I'm not teacher patient, I do like the idea of teaching 
But the people who I've spoken with and heard from are saying that kids aren't reading like at all, like it, like they can't really read. They can read words. But if you ask, I mean, them our to, literacy rates are lower than Cuba or China's, but apparently they're the bad, they're the horrible, mistreating their people countries. Yeah, no, our literacy rates are falling off. Our comprehension of anything longer than a you know a TikTok two three cents yeah a TikTok if it's longer than ten seconds how are they supposed to know anything I have to deal with this shit because I have to change the music every fucking ten seconds in my goddamn idiot videos but like not it. It's obviously on a different scale than what people are dealing with at schools where people will ask them to read. They will talk them through a paragraph and then ask the kids, what did we just talk about in the paragraph? And they can't fucking tell you. It's like the the the, the level of education beyond the fact that the funding has already been destroyed, beyond the fact that all of these schools have asbestos in them and have, you know, they're giving kids, you know, brain damage by malnutrition and by uh you know lunch debt beyond all of that the actual like outcomes are showing to be terrible even if they had books from a a, a more recent time than you know antebellum america even if they had all those resources the kids seem to be completely falling off. So you're saying that even in the school, even in the schools that are actually well funded, that somehow there's still bad education going on. That doesn't sound right. Mm. I don't know. I mean, no, it's the, the reality is there is not a single school system in this country that's going to flat out say America is bad unless you get to like the collegiate level and find a, a leftist professor or something. Right. It, and again, it will only come through individuals. It won't come through a, an institution. Yeah. There, and oftentimes those professors if they're not tenured will lose their jobs yeah nobody's getting tenure anymore yeah we we've basically education obviously is such a bedrock for so many people who like you know uh, uh whenever we whenever especially i'd say in like the 90s and the early aughts when i was growing up people were talking about how uh you know the problem with crime is that we aren't we got to get these kids in school which is true but the way that we do school is essentially another form of, of prison. And I don't want to, I'm not on the uh, abolish bedtime thing, but like what we do is put, we've got seven and a half hours, eight hours of prison time for the young people of our uh, working class. Because if you go to private school, I was of course going to Catholic school, private Catholic school, which is, I, I, I don't know why you would do that. You pay money to go to a better, a so-called better school. And then you go to a Catholic school and the Catholics, God damn, so we, <laughs> we didn't have but one Jesuit and he was the only smart one. The rest of them were just hicks like the rest of us, dumb as a post, smacking people on the hands, not giving any real you know, history lessons or math lessons, whatever. I, it seems like a waste of money. To I me. went to a I went to a Missouri Synod school from a fourth grade to eighth grade, and we had a science teacher who would flat out say evolution was factually untrue. That's our science teacher telling us the science that is science is false science. Crazy Lutherans, yeah. It's uh, nuts. Yeah. I <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, the school system is definitely uh, probably the most fundamentally universal f- form of propaganda experienced by, uh, uh, maybe, I don't know, nowadays people. advertisements just as uh, ingrained. Yeah. But uh, 
Considering it's, the kids are always on their phones in class now, too, is probably get more of that. But yeah, uh, we'll, we will broaden on that later. We just kind of wanted to do that little uh, touch on all the different forms of propaganda that you're going to be hearing all about in the coming months, because it's just everywhere. The The way that our, we are, our brains are being shaped to love America and think the founding fathers were superhuman, great guys mm-hmm. and generally all around be pro-capitalist, good little worker bees. It's it's everywhere. And uh, there's sadly no avoiding it in this system. But in from, but being knowledgeable about where it is will help you uh, spot it, call it out and not be as susceptible to it. Yeah, I don't know how to follow up on that other than I think that's as good a point as any to bring us into uh, the end of the main bulk of the episode and on to a two months worth of news blast. Two months of news. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a bit since we talked news, so there's a whole lot of stuff for us to catch up on. Not all of it's still super relevant. Uh, the Morocco earthquake, big tragedy. Yeah, nearly three thousand. It would have been nice if dead. It would have been nice if America could have spared one more than literally one one hundred thousandth of what they've sent to Ukraine. Yeah, uh, but part of that seems to be so. It's USAID that we're going to send that paltry one million dollars in aid to uh, the the people of Morocco. And the Moroccan state seems to be saying, no, thank you. And I think that that's probably because USAID is just another uh, fairly obvious and to anybody who's studied these organizations and their history. But it's another CIA. It's another part of the CIA. And Morocco is kind of in an ongoing shooting war with the Western Sahara. So there's like a a, a question as to Conflict whether or not there would be some kind of ulterior motive to this paltry. You know, they send the aid, the one million dollars worth of aid. And what's in there? Oh, but there's but there's some some aid for uh, some people who are into the were. Morocco or whatever. <laughs> not that I'm I don't know enough about the conflict. I just think that that's yeah, probably this... why they're saying fuck you and you're very small amount of aid yeah just in general it's a safe bet to never trust the american government to have to be above board about what they're doing and usaid and cia basically like why would you want that i don't want to bring that shit in my house but yeah as as tragic as that was the media doesn't care about those 2800 people that died anymore that was forever ago Mm -hmm. uh speaking of things that were forever ago but that actually are still being talked about in certain circles huawei's new chip that allows it to bypass sanctions is probably the devil because heaven forbid everyone have access to all the same information globally so um, the bypassing of sanctions seems to be coming from a kind of – so most of the world's chip development, and when we say chip, we don't mean tortilla. We mean chips for computers. Right, we should tell, Huawei, for those who don't know, Huawei is a Chinese smartphone developer that uh, – they are a major corporation – and they're not a good they're not good guys. No. But in this specific instance, we are being sold the idea that they're uniquely because bad. they created this chip that can bypass things. They're extra bad. Well, they're they They didn't necessarily create it. It was it's been bought basically outside of the this company called the SMIC, uh, which I believe is a Taiwanese company where most of the uh, computer chips in the world are uh, manufactured. So they made this new kind of like second generation uh, seven nanometer class fabrication process for the these kinds of um, super duper chips. And uh, this SMIC uh, company sold their chips and their chip technology to Huawei, which is apparently a uh, violation of 
United States sanctions, like in order to do business with the U.S., to get export licenses from the U.S., you have to you have to work within the sanctions regime of the United States. And so they they cut around that and they sold to this other company, which is, of course, a capitalist thing that everybody does, obviously, unless you're, you know, looking at it from a real politic form. But that's not the kind of uh, that's not the kind of dissonance that we allow in our in our brains whenever we're here. Yeah, in no, America. only America is allowed to do the evil capitalist shady dealings if china does it it's extra it's extra super evil which again goes back to our nuanced take of china's not good but comparative comparative bad versus how bad they're sold to us you know <laughs> and this stuff we we put these export restrictions on american technology in 2020 and basically you have to just apply to a very uh one would say i guess sympathetic united states Commerce Bureau, you have to apply for an export license for these sorts of things. And of course, they just didn't. So it's like a missed paperwork kind of thing. But obviously, it's the end of the world because China is is improving its chip quality is going to be working towards a, a, a uh, I don't know, like a smarter bomb or something. What are they trying to do with chips other than make yeah, our that, nicer that's, that, that's phones? The, that's the uh, news media version of things is it's all about the military. It's not about giving people mo- the same modern technology that, you know, other countries have been enjoying. It's about they're going to absolutely use it to blow people up for sure. We know this. And I mean, considering China has a lot less of a track record of doing that than America, I think it's pretty unfounded fear. Yeah, I think that we can pretty safely say that um, we're we're not the good guys here. Even if I think that like whatever, it's uh, Huawei itself is not great, but whatever. There's yeah, it's it's bad. It's bad guys. It's worse guys talking about bad guys. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this this chip, I mean, I don't think it's I think it's more of a nothing story than a lot of people do. But it's you know, it's clearly showing that uh, we can always take a story and inflate it. I want to fix something real quick. SMIC is apparently Semiconductor Manufacturing International Shanghai Corporation. So it is a Chinese company, which is all itself blacklisted. That and Huawei are both blacklisted, but American companies are the ones doing business with them. And yet, obviously, it's the Chinese themselves, those perfidious Asians who are somehow... Yeah, the American companies are just trying to Mm -hmm. look out for their own best interests, but the... Yeah, the main reason I've wanted to bring this story up is just the hypocrisy. It's it's always the perfidious Asians, those terrifying Chinese, the the hordes of Asia are coming to tear down our our perfect little European homesteads. It's uh, stupid. So while we're still on the topic of other countries besides America, Mm -hmm. which is the only country we care about, let's go ahead and talk about Canada. That's just North north usa yeah it's 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 america we we basically own canada there there are there are hats that's like oil and uh gravy on fries america tar sands america so i I feel like i feel like something happened in canada recently that has been a little that was a little bit controversial what no what's controversial about you know sig heiling a a 98 year old man i have nothing there's nothing controversial about that with your whole parliament standing up and I'm pretty sure that as long as they were fighting the USSR, the Nazis were actually the good guys. And that's the new official stance. Right. Yeah. They they fought the USSR in World War Two. I'm sorry. What? And then you see that weirdo CIA poster um, on Twitter. He's I don't even remember. He, he looks bald as shit in his black and white photo. But apparently he has gray hair, which he blames on the Russians. But he's like, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a Nazi to fight against 
the the USSR in World War II, and it's like, are you are you aware of what you're saying? Yeah, right there? I mean, quite literally, yes. That, that is literally there. There were really there are very few conflicts since World War II that you can say there are like two sides, two sides, just two, and that World War II had two sides. One side, the Nazis, were the Nazis, and the not Nazis, and the Nazis, and the yeah. not Nazis, largely the USSR. <laughs> right. <laughs> the The majority of the not Nazis that was the USSR. Uh, especially the majority of people who paid a price for that war, unless you were, I guess, anti-war activist or Jewish or uh, Roma or gay in Germany or it's or in Poland or in the Ukraine where of course it's like people like this 98 year old Nazi I'm sorry he was not a Nazi he was just a part of the SS he just volunteered for the SS you can't say he's a Nazi just because he volunteered for the SS people like him all over what became the Eastern Bloc and what you know Nazis controlled Nazi Germany's control over the that parts of those parts of Europe they were almost too excited to kill every Jew in their country. They were almost too excited to completely ethnically cleanse, you know, the Hungarian or the Romanian or the Ukrainian countryside. That was not a thing that was exclusive to some few crackpots in Bavaria and Berlin. It was the people in these groups, in these Einsatzgruppen's, who, you know, you know, we they, they've upgraded the clean Wehrmacht myth to the clean SS myth is the meme right now. But it's literally that's what they're saying is that, you know, as long as you were fighting against the ultimate bad guy who, you know, from 70 years of brain rot we have associated to be the, the Soviets, then it's just fine. And you don't actually have to reckon with the, the Nazism that they are fans of, if not active participants. That is how late stage we are in capitalism, that literally you're better off being a genocidal sociopath than being an anti-capitalist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and, you know, there's a lot of history in World War II um, and pre-World War II where, you know, the, the USSR tried very diplomatically tried to get the other European powers to help contain the Nazi threat. The fascist threat. And when you when you look at the corporatist state, the monopolistic state of fascist Germany, that's still capitalism. It's it's not necessarily the exact capitalism form that you see in uh, liberal bourgeois democracies like in England or the U.S., but that same impulse, the same value form, and the same monopolistic tendencies are extant within both of those systems. And that kind of thing was obviously very different from what was being experimented with in the United, uh, the, the USSR. And so um, they chose to essentially do a rapprochement and, and allow the Nazis to flourish to do business with the Nazis, to, you know, have George Bush's father and grandpa go over there and make some money. Yeah, so, well, I mean, and we started Nazi rehabilitation the moment that World War II ended. Right, NATO yeah. was literally fucking founded by them. Yeah, we were like, um, hey, how about we bring some of these brain drain freaks over and uh, get some rockets out of it? Yeah, but we've just we've we've hit the end goal of that, which is now it's OK to applaud a Nazi as long as they're 
against as long as they're against the evils of Russia. And I mean, modern don't get me wrong. Modern Russia is pretty fucking evil, but that's because modern Russia is another capitalist yeah. hellscape like us. Yeah, it's it's a country we designed. Yeah. How dare the thing that we how dare the thing that we built be a bad thing? Yeah. Now let's hate that thing and not the actual source. That's great that we are just giving standing ovations to Nazis now. I'm sure it will. Honestly, I would not be surprised if the rehabilitation of Nazis becomes a far more mainstream thing over the next couple of years. I mean, we we had that brief moment, I feel like, of anti-Nazi, like very vociferously anti-Nazi liberals. Uh, I, I think during the Trump administration, yeah. when they could point at when they could point at him and say he's the bad guy and his worshippers are the bad guy. But now that we're back to Biden, and they, so maybe we'll get another anti-Nazi wave in the next four years right. when Trump becomes president again. But it will all be whitewashed away. All practical things will continue to get worse, but the liberals yeah. will be a little bit more vocal about their dislike for Nazis, malcontentment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's it's As opposed to actively clapping. And standing for them. But, you know, whenever our Democrat president is whenever the Democrat is a Nazi, the Nazis will be the good guys. And we will have if if we keep this train, then within 50 years, we will have a Nazi Democrat president. Yeah. Or we'll just be a military junta. That's true. It's possible we will lose all the lose. No, any- we'll keep the trappings. But like it, the chiefs of staff will be the people who are actually in charge. And we'll just keep doing this like little popularity contest every four or eight years. Yeah, As long as it keeps the masses distracted. The actual like the deep state will become the regular state. We'll just stop pretending when with changing out heads of departments. The DOE will always be headed by some freaky colonel who thinks charter schools is great. Like, that's just going to be the the only thing. Yeah. It's, uh, it, I mean, it's definitely a sign of the times that this uh, whole event happened. And we, and it's the fact that it happens in Canada, happened in Canada means that a lot of Americans can just say, oh, well, that wouldn't, well, that wouldn't happen here. But it's Why literally, it? Canada is America. <laughs> Don't try to kid yourself. <laughs> yeah. Canada's, I, Canada does have a strange relationship with ukrainian in particular but nazis yeah well i mean in canada also is still even more racist than we are Somehow. which is not great yeah it's it's a there like i said it's give it give it a give it a couple decades yeah. and it'll be happening here in the american shores no problem but let's move on to some let's move on to some good news before we get back to the shitty stuff coming to the actual american borders within going that's just that extra bit south we get to see strike boys summer keeps that hot <laughs> stream going in addition to that uh writer strike still kind of being up in the air it might be wrapping up soon or might have wrapped up by the time this drops we now have another strike going on and we are all about it. Go UAW. Go UAW. Uh, I love the guy's name, Sean Fain. Great name. Jealous. Kyle's such a shitty name. But I... Yeah, Kyle's like, all right. He, um, firstly, strong, strong words, strong appearance, and also tactics that work. You know, there are people in the street, obviously, but they don't know at which exact factory there's going to be the strike. Like, they, they've basically, like negated all of the anti-strike measure measures by doing i don't know almost guerrilla style uh organizing <laughs> guerrilla striking it's fantastic I, it. I like they've they've taken the uaws basically going against these big three companies who are pretty notoriously not the best but it is like some of the only unionized work still in america even amongst the uh car manufacturers because you know the big three ford gm chevy they uh are historically very um unionized but you know the the japanese country companies in america generally are not i don't th- think that's 
totally true for every factory, but most of them, Tesla obviously is not. A lot of these EV companies, they're trying to avoid uh, unionization, which tends to be the main reason, main way that anybody so-called innovates. Because a union, even if it just by the terminology, encourages people to actually talk amongst each other and say, hey, this sucks for you, too. Right. Yeah. Whereas, again, going back to the individualism, most jobs nowadays are all about focus on your rising grind. Mm-hmm. And the, the, just just having that term of a union forces people to kind of cooperate. Yeah. If honestly, if these those big three could get rid of the auto workers union, they would. Oh, certainly they would. I'm sure of it. But. They know that that actively getting rid of the union would make would take the strike and escalate it to a riot. If anybody's seen uh, Fane talk, uh, he's been described by the the New York Times as sharp edged and uh, caustic. He he, he very toxic terminology, right, it, basically. And you know what though, he is telling it like it is. He is assertive, and I think it's pretty fucking great. It's just how a union should function is as a oh, absolutely yeah. I'm very in favor of that of that of that tactic. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just it's funny. It's very telling how the American media spins the verbiage of that tactic. (laughs) Because the American media, it's filled with, uh, you know, especially places like The Times. It's filled with people who are from not even just like university educated, but like Ivy League university educated. So their parents and their, you know, families are all moneyed or connected and so they obviously are on one side of the class divide and the unions are supposed to be on the other and so the other class divide thankfully fain seems to recognize that this is a uh combative relationship not one in which you know like what's his dick at the uh, at the ufcw it's not like the oh, yeah. Yep. We can't say his name, yeah, just, but uh, just know that I have a I have a union leader who is literally friends with the billionaires who run right. the companies he works with. So it's obviously not a combative relationship there. But uh, one of these things that the UAW apparently has won a concession on to bring into the contract. Obviously, they're still negotiating, but. The uh, they technically weren't allowed to strike over it, but the the big three have or GM, I should say, has formally agreed to include battery plants in the master contract, which means that, of course, uh, for their big push for EVs, especially um, I think we can say like the electric Ford F-150 has already really taken off. But like these big companies are finally getting into EVs, which is going to undermine, obviously, uh, rich man Musk's cachet in the world if he needed any help doing that. But (laughs) Musk is undermining himself just fine. Basically, now they weren't going to have those battery plants included. And now they are in the striking works. And we are seeing evidence of that, just like just like with the writer's strike where. They're getting a they've been this is the second time they've been brought to the table and the second time they're getting a slightly better deal. I hope they hold out still. But on the other hand, I know people got to eat. You know, Mm -hmm. it's tough. Got to eat. Yeah. But yeah, striking works. And if I'm hoping that this continues to set an example, this uh, this the success of this strike shows people, hey, maybe we should be doing this striking thing, too, Mm -hmm. because if we can get even 15 percent of America to strike, that'll disrupt things enough that they'll have to start talking about a new new deal at the very least. I mean, hopefully we can do better than that and undermine capitalism altogether. But 
even slightly better treatment in the meantime would be nice. Yeah, anything. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, no, we're not getting the, the average <laughs> working class person isn't getting better treatment. In fact, we're getting thrown into the grinder and uh, ever at ever more uh, effective rates. And one clear thing that shows that is the fact that COVID deaths are back on the map, baby. Let's do it. We have uh, in in August and September, we had record numbers of COVID deaths in competition with pre-vaccine numbers. Jesus Christ. Whatever, you know, like this is the world we live in, I guess. And we're just, but we don't care. But like now, nowadays, it's just like, ah, I guess get your booster, you know, figure it out. Yeah. It's it's no longer a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, our very first episode of this podcast is called, Are You There, God? It's Me, COVID. And to be quite honest, the world has changed so much. We still haven't done a fucking thing about this goddamn disease, though. <laughs> it's killing people at the exact same rate now as it was when we did our pilot episode. Just about. It's. <laughs> That's. No, but it it is not it is not much better. It is not much better. Obviously, like, what am I supposed to do to change my life? You know, I can't. Nobody can live anymore. Nobody can have any kind of life if they either are going insane, saying that the you know vaccines give you microchips and turn you into a liberal Democrat voting crazy person, gay frog, or if you yeah into a frog, or if you are constantly living in fear, um, never going outside. Like they're they're those. Two poles will make you insane. But like for anything in the middle, there's nobody giving you anything. Nobody's yeah, giving you anything other than, you know, we got a vaccine. We got a booster. Now you have to pay for the booster. Uh, it's like we've you, you never got free tests except for once in the mail. And now they're going to say they're doing that again. I doubt it. It's it's just there's no it was proven during the heyday of the pandemic and throughout you know the early biden admin that there is no state capacity people people thought that that might not be the case they prophesized the end of neoliberalism with the you know the bidenomics shit but bidenomics is just hooverism which is just neoliberalism in a way it's it's classical neoliberalism and so there might be some build projects, but not not enough. And there won't be any it, it will all be funneled through private hands. And those private hands aren't going to make things like combating a global pandemic any easier. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, and quite frankly, it is more profitable for them to keep this disease alive and thriving. Mm -hmm. Like it's it keeps it keeps big pharma able to say we need more new kinds of drugs to keep fighting the new variants instead of just saying let's wipe it right. out and it doesn't help that again going back to propaganda a lot of our state media says you don't want this vaccine and you should not be helping shut this virus down with everyone else it's almost like remember whenever we first get in there and people are like oh don't don't use too much hand sanitizer you'll make the bacteria resistant oh, don't do this sort of thing don't do that sort of thing um they're basically the the people who run places like pfizer are doing this slow drip in a way that really does seem to only and, I, and I'm not standing out here saying that it's like on purpose that they want to create a bunch of fucking variants, but it does seem to be doing it's that. carelessness about human health. It's not active like we're going to try to kill you. It's if you die, we don't give a shit as long as we keep making money. Right. And like there's no despite the fact that everybody keeps saying like nobody wants to work anymore. We're at really high and we're at really high employment. We're at really high, uh, you know activity or engagement in the employment sector for the numbers of people who are being counted. And I know generally that means that 
a lot of people are getting fucked over and taken off the rolls and just forgotten about. But that's also about, you know, however many millions were permanently disabled or killed by this disease. Uh, how many others were, you know, just like hanging on? Because I know when I used to work in an office, there were a bunch of old ass people who just never wanted to retire. And I think that once they got a taste of being home all the time during the early days of the pandemic, they just didn't come back. They like actually retired well past the age mm -hmm. they should have. So like the engagement in the economy, uh, in the employment sector of the economy, I hate using that as like if it's a, a real thing, the economy, the engagement yeah. of, in employment is pretty high and it's yet not creating any kind of pressure to raise wages despite the fact that everybody's complaining about that the wages aren't really getting raised yeah and these covid deaths you would think would be a thing that might you know egg that on and yet it isn't and so there's no real reason for capital who is not being challenged in their pocket to contain it no monetary reason this goes back to uh you know being a part of the average mind uh mind wiped masses that we like to uh, talk about. The average person I talk to is all about, look how much more they're paying us per hour uh, since COVID started. And the idea that inflation exists doesn't seem to register to them. Uh, or if it does, they still can't recognize that it is out, that inflation has outgrown the rate at which our wages are being raised. So it's like, yes, the, the, the most states are now doing a $12 or $15 minimum wage. Not, I mean, it's still seven seven twenty five across the, or seven sixty five or whatever nationwide, which is absolutely insane. But you know, a lot of individual states now are like, okay, we're doing twelve, we're doing fifteen instead of the uh, eight or ten they were doing before. But when the wages go up fifty percent and inflation has increased eighty percent in the last eight years, that's a wage cut. We we still have less money, but we don't think about it that yeah. way apparently. And it's a real terms wage cut. Yeah. Similar to how like people talk about the 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 UK, the people complaining about, you know, uh, getting paid teachers. Basically, there's a lot of strike waves this past summer, similar to America uh, summer and last year across different sectors, um, teachers, nurses, the striking uh, rail workers, people complaining, obviously the wrong kind of complaining about uh, how these workers are getting paid better than everybody else. What do you mean? And yet the it's because there have been real wage cuts because of the way that, like, say, Liz Truss took over and the, the pound went from being worth 160 American dollars to 119. So, like, when you're making 25K and the pound is worth twice as much as the United States dollar, that's not horrible. That's fine. When it's worth the same amount of as a U.S. dollar, that's not good yeah. <laughs> in a country that is as expensive as they are and ours getting very expensive, too. But yeah, basically, the takeaway from this story is COVID is killing more people. Here are the top five reasons it's good for the economy, <laughs> <Yeah>. TM. <laughs> TM, the economy. Registered trademark. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, not not everyone's dying because of COVID. Some people are just dying because they're ancient calcified mummies. And didn't have a stroke. She didn't have a stroke. No, her face was like that from birth. She always looked like that. No, Diane Feinstein. She always looked like that. She always looked like the child Diane from Eraserhead. Diane Feinstein head. is the definitive proof, I think. I feel like between uh, between Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Diane Feinstein, I think we have the definitive proof we need that dying in office is just the new thing to do. I mean, I wish I had an office to die in. 
Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's don't get me wrong. She was still be it was still elder abuse by the end of oh, her Lord life. Lord Almighty, but, those horrible, horrible aides are never going to get another job in their life. I mean, by anybody yeah. who, who is cogent, that's fucking for sure. Anybody <laughs> who has a, a couple of brain cells to rub together will not hire them. Because why would you? They they abused this poor woman. She voted like eleven hours before she died. Mm-hmm. And she, I'm sure she had no idea what she was voting on. She didn't know where she was. She was like, "Wait, is she this didn't... to put up another Confederate flag in front of the mayoral office? Did they take it down again?" I don't know. It's it, it's it's tough because on the one no, fuck hand, that she's dead. I do want I'm to. Glad she's I, dead. I, I mean. She's 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 a bad, she, she's a bad person. She was hateful for gays. She was hateful for uh, all of the people who pretend because she came out of San Francisco that she was some sort of progressive. She made massive insider trading deals. She's a bad person. And she only came around to the LGBTQ positive and sort of near the end of her I'm not tenure about- uh, when it became politically expedient. She's a bad person. And her death is dead. I'm not talking about Diane Feinstein as an individual. I'm talking about the nature of pushing someone who's in their 90s to keep oh. voting on shit they don't even know what they're doing. Yeah, God, no. Those put her out by the pool, let her have some it's, fun. It's tough to it's tough to say that she is exclusively the bad guy. She is a bad person caught in a bad system, but that doesn't make the nature of her death not kind of tragic. No, her death is very sad in the sense that it's like, I guess that it would have been really bad if we had a, a horrible person strapped to a chair not knowing what they were doing, doing exactly the horrible things that they would have done if they were cogent. Because their aides are evil, just like she is was and are you know fighting for the same things and have the same sort of individual impulse to abuse what power they have over this poor poor old bitch who is now dead in the ground yeah i mean no i i feel i i feel about as much sympathy for diane feinstein the individual as i do for margaret thatcher i'm gonna piss on that Maybe, you know, it's, it's, it, that's, but at the end of the day it's it's a sign of like i said it's a sign of the times that the new thing to do is just to keep going in office and keep voting the company line until your heart literally stops beating yeah, chuck grassley honestly somehow that man's still alive. He's so fucking old. I love his tweets, though. Well, because I mean, Bernie is almost as old, but Bernie's uh, nowhere near as yeah. old. He's like, well, I guess not. Bernie's the second oldest congressperson now. I guess, yeah. Fucking hell. I thought he was like he was. He's like 85, 85, no, 86? he's not eighty five. He's got to be he like eighty two, which is very old. I, 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 in my head, for a moment, I was thinking like twenty sixteen numbers. I was like, he's like seventy six. Which is old, but like... Yeah, he's 82, you're right. But still, yeah, 82 is still too old. But the difference being, he's still very clearly there. Like, it's yeah. not... There is no... There for Ukraine. I mean, sure, but... he, has sold, he has sold out. I think he's realized at his age that he's not going to be the one to fix the system. Sold out is the wrong term. No, sold out is probably a fine term. Yeah, he's, he's accepted that he's not going to be the Given one to change up. the system. He's like, the best I can do now is to try to keep Trump from getting into office again. And I respect that. But he's going to fail and he's going to he will probably also die a sad old person. The difference being that he actually had a good legacy at some point. (laughs) Yeah, just dying in office is going to be the new thing. It sucks. Politics in America sucks. Speaking of politics in America sucking, at least our presidential administration has been very good at not going back on any of their words about stuff recently, right? Yeah, they're they're keeping hold of all those promises. I'm getting my $10,000 in student loans forgiven. Um, We uh, are going to definitely get working families the relief they need, and we're not going to build that wall. Yeah, not another inch. Not another inch of wall will be built. Children are out of cages. Oh, wait. 
Oh, we need fuck. to we need to build more wall, oh, yep. and we're going to keep well. You know, cages. they did allocate those federal funds in 2019, and what are they going to do? Not use them? I mean, with 26 federal laws in the way of it, they're not going to use it. We all know that if you don't spend this money on this specific thing, that the money literally just burns up into the ether because that's how the economy TM works. Ugh. It, no, the, the very idea that these reasons, think of it if not in terms of money. Let's, let's step, take a step back and not turn, to put it in terms of the money. It, let, that, let's say that money is pre-allocated. That money, which is already a fictional concept, has to be used for that thing. Let's talk about the resources. You can either put more resources into projects that improve communities or put more physical resources into building a literal metal and stone thing that blocks yeah. community. Higher fences. The world's going to get worse. We got to keep them out of our nice little places. We are using the physical components that make up our planet to prevent community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to this. Listen to this fucking HR speak from Biden's Homeland Security Secretary. There is presently an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers and roads in the vicinity of the border of the United States in order to prevent unlawful entries into the United States in the project areas. He won't say wall, obviously. Physical barriers and roads in the vicinity of the border. Not on the border. In the vicinity of the border, because some of this might actually be on the other side of it. Small, just tiny little invasions. This is something that kills me. So, like, of course, the laws that they've waived, 26 federal laws, they include things like the Clean Air Act, the Safe Drinking Water Act, the Endangered Species Act. This shit's going on yeah, we in couldn't, Texas, we, we of couldn't, We couldn't keep the allocated money for any of those. Yeah, no, that, no, no. That, that just didn't work out. But the allocated money for that wall, we had to use it. The DHS is required to use those funds for their appropriated purpose. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, it's it goes back to the whole mentality of uh, the, the migration as a concept is always anti-migration, but only for the party that you're pro. Because right. it's funny, it, I, literally with with Biden making an active push to expatriate all Venezuelan migrants back to Venezuela, like with that being the, I mean, maybe not Biden personally, because I don't think he, his brain cells are about as good as Diane Feinstein's, but his administration actively trying to get every single Venezuelan migrant back to Venezuela and say, fuck you, you're on your own. And we love it on the Democrat side yeah. now. Whereas when Trump was doing the exact same stuff. We're like, oh my God, this is the greatest evil that's befallen our yeah. country ever. And supposedly Biden's admin, like they were pressured into this by other Democrats, like to do border shit. And it's like, that's okay, sure. I'm sure they weren't going to do it anyway. Not like they're keeping children still in those same cages. But like the thing that, like, okay, so so we do this. So we we continue to ratchet up tensions to continue to blame uh, Mexico. We continue to demonize migrants. At what point, since the the kind of mainstream opinion for the weirder half of the electoral nuts, the Republicans, the weirder half is going like, well, we got to invade Mexico. Does this kind of continue that trend? Does this help that trend? Are the Democrats kind of feeding into the ultimate invasion of Mexico that will, you know, will take all the shit down to Querétaro and then like that'll just become a DMZ? Like we won't have, well, that'll just be the killing fields, the no man's land where where anybody who tried to make it up from the flooding equatorial places, countries, they're going to just get thrown out into the desert and shot. We're just going to have Apache helicopters strafe across it. Like what What's the what's the end goal here if they think that they are the compassionate party? Like, what's the end goal with, you know, you see that side of politics taking such a 
aggressive uh, stance against against your neighbor. Well, but see, if we can get just a few of the sane Republicans to start voting Democrat, that makes the Democrats the good guys because they're just reaching across the aisle. And the fact that the aisle keeps getting further and further right and we keep reaching further and further right to try to come across to them, that's that's irrelevant. That seems like speculation at best, Kyle. Mm. That's it's this is this Biden building more wall is ratchet theory at its finest. Like that's just just the reality. We we are pushing we are playing right into the hands of a ever expanding right wing fascist agenda because uh, the end goal for the far right is to make America white again. The, the Democrats aren't being oppositional enough to that to make an actual opposition. I like this is what's killing me, too, is like apparently some of these pressures, some of the Democrats pressuring them are people like um, J.B. Pritzker, the Illinois governor, and also uh, Mayor Eric Adams. So people nowhere near the border. But Texas has been busing a bunch of migrants into Illinois and uh, out into the other states. And the federal government just hasn't given any aid to those asylum seekers. And so instead of giving aid to the asylum seekers, they're going to put up a wall to slow it won't really slow anything. It won't really change much except for make people more miserable. But that's the that's their solution to this. Yeah, it's pretty grim. Um, I think that this building of a wall, like I said, is is it, it, it's not just the wall itself. It's the telling nature of the, the times that we're in, you know, and w- where we're headed as a country when our quote unquote left wing party is uh, taking this kind of action. And I don't know if there's really a good good takeaway from this other than, oh, shit. America is really fucked up now, but we we do like to try to end on some optimism. So let's talk about Kevin McCarthy. Hey, he's gone. Fuck that guy. Loser tried some West Wing shit and got gone. It's very funny. It's it's meaningless ultimately because they will replace him with some equally, if not worse. I don't know. There's a lot of talk of Hakeem Jeffries, I want to say. Uh What's the name? Hakeem Jeffries is a de- Democrat, so they can't take. Yeah, well, let's say there's a lot of talk about trying to get like centrist Republicans to vote him in. I because, you know, you all know how the Republicans love to reach back yeah. across the aisle after we've reached to them. That's I mean, not, not uh, that Hakeem Jeffries is a good guy, but he's like he would be a, he would be a less evil no, option than McCarthy. A person himself. But, like, but realistically, we're going to get a more evil person than McCarthy. He basically the same. Yeah, it's it's going to be somebody like there was that weirdo bow tie guy that they had as the acting speaker. They, they're going to. They're going to just go through the roles, that one little uh, rogue section of the party with Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene will kick up a fuss and they'll do a few rounds of voting. But it's going to be it's going to be another party. It'll man. be fun drama. It's not going to be a big deal. Ultimately, in the end. Yeah, we'll 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 talk about a week and ha- about how, oh, the Republicans can't get their shit together. Um, and then all of a sudden, everything will be the same Business as usual. But for, right now, we just kind of want to focus on the happy news, which is fuck McCarthy. Ha ha. He sucks. Yeah, fuck that guy. Ha ha ha. You suck. You lost your job because you're bad at it. That's why I lose my job. But you're worse at being being nice to people. So, haha. That I think that catches us up with all the stuff that actually, quote unquote, matters. I mean, what do we know what matters? We're just as uneducated as the rest of y'all. But we like to think that we've got some hopefully we prevented presented at least one or two takes that you could say, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about the news that way and help broaden your horizons. Um, but also don't, you know, take us with a grain of salt because we don't want to be the propaganda in your ears telling you how you should be feeling and thinking. Um, you know, do your own research. We encourage it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look into things. Uh, I don't want to sound like one of those like, oh, do your own research, re like vaccine 
shit but like yeah you know it, it look things up it, engage with the information recognize who it's coming from that's really the main thing to if you're gonna be an information consumer consume with some level of scrutiny yeah be, be a savvy well-educated person and not just a <laughs> be a mindless savvy educated. consumer uh yeah yeah or watch sports and yell at it that's fun too they, you know what yeah Maybe just honestly, whether you give up or not, we're probably not going to fix this system anytime soon. It's going to have to get worse before it gets better. Your engagement could make a difference, but it probably statistically won't. It might. It'll so, make a difference you know. in your life. And that's important. <laughs> yeah. And your life is. Yeah. Your your life and your happiness are viable and valuable. So keep that in mind and everything you do. And those of the people that you are around, everything around you is a part of you. And if you just share that a little bit more, that's always a good thing yeah it's literally 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 our ending slogan calcified right there kyle well put blammo we wish you all not just to yourself but to those around you love and solidarity love and solidarity y'all it can be told in few enough words we are not certain of his intentions even yet they talked so i am told Ah, what a shame. Always sucks when we don't have any good news to end our news blast on. Oh, well, what can you do? I guess I'll just go ahead and look at my news feed here and... Oh, my God! Kyle! Kyle, it happened! Unleash the confetti and balloons! Sports!